Hello, and welcome to From Her View. My name is Liz Warner, and here each week I'll be speaking to extraordinary women from around the world. You'll hear all about their personal story, how and why they said yes to a groundbreaking idea in their life. We'll also dive deep into a behind-the-scenes look at what it's actually like to live in fascinating but perhaps misunderstood places like Afghanistan, Cuba, Somalia, Iran, and Venezuela. I am inviting you to gain a deeper understanding of the far-reaching corners of the world from a different perspective. Hers. For season one's grand finale, I'm introducing you to a woman who's dedicated her life to documenting the beautiful hidden gems of the world and blazing a path for other women along the way. Nora Brahimi is the first female Algerian travel vlogger who in 2019 was nominated as the best Algerian YouTuber and Instagrammer and named one of the 100 most influential young Africans. She's also an EU Goodwill ambassador and a video consultant, hoping to flip the script about female influencers and display the depth that often gets overlooked on social media. Growing up in Algeria in a family that couldn't afford to travel, Nora had her worldview turned upside down when she came to find the beauty and excitement in the most unexpected places. In this conversation, she shares how she tries to stay present while traveling as a vlogger, the beauty people overlook in Algeria, and the most romantic country she's planning to come back to for her honeymoon. This episode is like a breath of fresh air, and it'll have you booking plane tickets for your next destination. I hope you enjoy. Well, Nora, thank you so much for coming on to From Her View. I'm really honored to have you as our final guest of the season. Thank you so much. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, um, really honored to be here. So tell me a bit about your background. You're originally from Algeria. What was your childhood like growing up? Um, so yeah, I'm originally from Algeria. I grew up in a small city that's called uh, Blida. Um, my childhood was, I moved a lot between a city that's called Blida and another city that's in the south, 2,000 kilometers away, which is called Tamarast. Um, and so it was, you know, a very normal childhood about, I mean, apart from a lot of moving, but it was um, a pretty, you know, basic, normal childhood. <laughs> and, you know, what sparked your interest in traveling eventually? What, did your family, was it something that was sort of part of your family growing up? So um, my parents used to travel a lot when they were young because, you know, it was easy with a passport and, you know, life in Algeria. And then they got married. They got five kids. I'm <laughs> one of them. And it's not as easy anymore. So traveling was not, you know, um, let's say a habit or a ritual in the family, apart from, you know, in summer going to the beach, etc. Um it was always a dream of mine. I used to watch on TV, you know, there was a, this um, show that was, you know, showing how amazing Japan is. And then social media came and then you start seeing things. But it was 
you know, a dream. Of course, my family can't afford it. And there was, you know, an, an age for me, like when I was 16, I started working to be able to afford the extra things, you know, because you can't just be a burden on your family. Um, so I used to tell my mom, oh, my mom, I want to go to Japan. And then she's like, yeah, well, you know, she used to feel sorry because we can't afford it. Um, so it was a dream. And it was only when I was 24 that I started working really hard. I opened small businesses, started working. I was like, okay, so now what? Maybe now I can travel. And then it was, it was it. Like, I didn't know what I was, you know, going to expect, um, I, I mean, I, I had expectations, you know, you think some countries are so amazing and then you realize that the world isn't so amazing, but it is, isn't so bad. You know, there's good and bad everywhere. And so um, the countries that I expected to like the least are my favorite now. And so, you know, it was just the start of something huge that definitely has changed me. Of course, of course. And what were some of the first few countries that you visited? The very beginning. So yeah, sh shockingly, the first destination, which was one of the cheapest to to, to Algerians, was Turkey. Um, so I went to Turkey, and then I was like, yes, I'm ready to explore the world. So I tried to apply for visas that you know require a stable job, etc. And shockingly, I couldn't go. I got refusal. Um, so the first destinations I decided to go a few months later were destinations where I didn't know to um, apply for a visa. So I went to um, Malaysia and then Indonesia. Um, and then I went to Lebanon for like, it was a show for content creators. And I stayed there for a couple of months. But mostly like my goal was to try to explore as many countries with where I don't need to apply for a visa to save time, you know, and money. Of course. Did you find at the very beginning that was a big hurdle for you? Or did you feel like there were enough countries that you didn't have to apply for a visa and go through that huge headache? Well, I, I started with the stereotype of, you know, I want to go to Europe and there are so many countries where I know it's beautiful. So um, I didn't know what to expect. So it was mostly what we see on social media. So it was a big disappointment for me. And I felt like, OK, I want to stop. Maybe this isn't for me. You know, I'm going to try to figure out what I want to do in life. Um, but then as I started going to the countries where I didn't, you know, uh, need visa, I was like, oh my God, I love this. So maybe, so it kind of, it definitely changed, you know, the stereotypes of, you know, what I thought was amazing, which is still amazing. But what wasn't really interesting was also interesting. Um, and so I'm, I'm really grateful that I got to, you know, kind of have that small, let's say, disappointment and then, um, you know, live in these amazing experiences. And so that's where I decided that I will not put any country in, um, you know, any box whatsoever. I'm just going to go there and see what I, I think. And then I figure out that um, whatever country I went to, there's things I liked. There's things um, I loved and there's things maybe I liked less. Um, including my own country. And did you start traveling in Algeria initially too, like at the very beginning, or did you almost return back home after really getting the travel bug and and um, and embarking on this journey? Yeah. So um, as any or as most Algerians, I grew up, you know, thinking, oh my God, there's nothing in Algeria. You know, the people. Um, there's a lot of things that we think, oh, it's not safe. Um, there's not, there's not much to see. 
And so um, Algeria was not on the plan. I went, you know, for two years on and off. I visited some countries and then I came back to Algeria and I was like, you know what? Let me put what I call my uh, tourist glasses, like forget anything I know about Algeria, literally get a backpack and then start exploring city by city. And I started with the most, let's say, what I thought was the scariest city or the hardest city to visit as a female uh, because people are conservative and I didn't know what to expect. And it was so scary. And turned out to be one of the most, you know, amazing trips I had. And so I decided what whatever, you know, I'm going to see or explore in Algeria, I'm going to go, I'm going to put my um, tourist glasses and, you know, not expect anything, just be there. And I wasn't disappointed. Honestly, I visited many cities. Some were touristy, some were not touristy and explored a lot of things. You know, there's culture in every city. There's like 51 cities. And so different culture, different food, you know, people are amazing, sometimes not so amazing, but, you know, I, which is the case in, in a lot of countries. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. I was like, oh, my God, I, I kind of regret it. But, but you know, it, it's just the whole journey shapes you. And also um, the fact that I create content, just not only me, it, it also encouraged mostly other women to be like, oh, so if I can't afford traveling abroad, maybe I can also explore cities in my country. And if she's safe, then I'm going to be safe as well. No, that's so incredible. Almost like starting a buzz within Algeria itself, which is really cool, and should, which is probably what you were not expecting Definitely at all. At um, and how did you fall into, you know, creating content and becoming a YouTuber and, I guess when you started, was there a lot of competition already? Did you feel like there was a place for for your brand or like for your profile in the YouTube world? So when I started, there was a lot of people who created content, just not in the niche of travel. It was mostly um, so for men, it was comedy purely for women. It was cooking and lifestyle and makeup, uh, but not travel. So I started um, uh, at the same time uh, or three months later as another guy. He was doing travel and I started doing travel. So we both were uh, not known. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing travel. It's new. Um, everyone is going to follow me, etc." which wasn't the case. Um, but then because I wasn't, you know, trying to show a different lifestyle, I'm just, you know, um, a very basic, normal girl. Uh, I don't care much about, you know, how I look. I mean, I do, but like not not trying to kind of fake a lifestyle. And so it was, I think, until a year or a year and a half later that people started to be like, oh, my God, who's this girl? She's like. She's so basic that I can relate to her, you know. Um, but the idea of content creation, yeah, it started like this because um, I used to be, I used to see um, back then in 2017, 2016, there was a lot of, you know, representation and a lot of big events on TV of, you know what, there's women who create content, let's invite them to events. And the whole representation of women is, we care about makeup, we care about how we look, and that's it. So we don't care about anything else. And they, they used to make me very angry. And I was like, I need to be there um, to show that we care about other things, not only this and not only, you know, maybe shallow stuff. Um, and so, yeah, 
it was like I said, until maybe 2018, 2019, that people started to discover my old content, which definitely, you know, got better with time. And um, it was, it started about me living experiences and then uh, sharing other people's experiences. So, you know, definitely it started to also resonate with um, more people. That's really, really cool. And I've always been curious to, I've always wanted to ask, you know, someone who is a content creator as their profession, when you travel someplace, you know, in Algeria or around the world, how do you separate sort of just soaking in the joy of travel from, okay, I have to shoot this film or, oh no, I, sh- or, I should um, capture this particular moment and maybe you didn't. Is there, have you found that balance of still really, really enjoying the unpredictability of travel versus having to really plan what you're going to shoot for your for your yeah. YouTube channel? So I'm going to talk about now. So yes, in the beginning, it was hard because y- you're living something, you don't capture it and you're like, oh, that's, you know, that's too bad. Um, or it's the opposite. But now what I do is, for example, I remember I went to Petra and Petra was like so beautiful. You're like, you're walking and then you see um, the treasury and then you're like, wow, amazing. So what I do in my videos, people like see a nine minute video. Oh yeah, a nine minute, um, you know, footage in what I live in like a week. And so what I do is I arrive just to a place, I enjoy it, I live it, and then I take off my camera, I, you know, shoot that thing, and then I continue, you know, with the enjoyment. Or I'm okay with the fact that some things, you know, are so beautiful, you live them, and it just, you you know, even if you shoot it, the camera will not capture that beauty or or that feeling. so you know you just come to pe to come you come to peace uh with it sometimes if it's you know work and i have to you know rush through the day to film things i'm just like okay um it's okay i'm gonna film it and then i'm also glad for the fact that i film it because now if i go back to the trips that i did in 2017 i'm like what there's this picture this video so even like when i watch my own vlogs um i remember things so you know as as a filmmaker you get to live the journey about four times so you live it in person and then you film it so you go and edit it you watch the final video and then you come back to it maybe a few years later so you live it um a few times yeah i love that i'm sure i'm sure there are moments where it's almost just like fomo we all have it and every field but um but at the same time you just sort of need to accept and move on and um and also accept that there are moments uh, that you perhaps just want to, to be there for and that it will be hard to translate also onto film as well. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And did you experience any challenges traveling as an Algerian vlogger as well? Um, so I'd say mostly um, abroad was the fact that you know my passport because if you had if I had you know any strong passport you don't have to prove you work to visit most countries so um, as an Algerian I have to have a full-time job so if you have a full-time job you can't really travel because you have to work Um, 
So also you have to have a certain salary. You have to keep proving all the time that you're not just traveling to explore the world. You're traveling for a specific thing. So there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of, you know, things to prove, which is getting easier, you know, because when you grow and you have, you know, certain visibility, you just kind of just show what you did before and it makes things easier. But it's definitely not as easy as um, it would be if I had, you know, any other passport. Um, so, yeah, that's that's one of the difficult things I, I kind of live as um, as an Algerian counterfeit. Yeah. Yeah, my my husband's actually from Lebanon and he only has a Lebanese passport. So I think I I think Lebanese passport must be probably even I don't know. He has a lot, a lot of struggle. Even actually, I'm, I'm going to the U.S. in September and he needs a tourist visa to also go to the U.S. Even though we're married, um, I'm American and he needed to renew his tourist visa and the next available appointment is next year. So he literally, anyways, there are always like, wow. big hurdles to go across. Definitely, you kind of just yeah. get used to it. And I think we also do travel to a lot of places that, um, yeah, just don't require visa. And there are many beautiful places. So, um, yeah. And what have, what have um, been some of your favorite travel destinations uh, in recent years? So I think I will always have kind of the same answer my first favorite destination is definitely Lebanon. Um, I stayed there, yeah, I stayed there for three months. And I'm not sure if it's the experience, if it's the people, the country, the food. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of things that make Lebanon a charming country. Um, I mean, now, like, whenever I meet a Lebanese person, I just, you know, fall in love with their accent. I think they're one of the best people on earth, literally very welcoming. They know how to live. And I think you agree if you're married to a Lebanese. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's true. I so any other, like, Lebanese, I mean, I'm just like, okay, we need to be best friends. You're like, they're just so warm and, and fun. Exactly. Same, yeah, same vibe. Um, so Lebanon is my first favorite country. I'd say... I mean, all of them, I like them so much, but I kind of also have um, a huge crush on Latvia. I've been to Latvia in 2019, and I'm like, I'm going to be back because I just I just loved it. Yeah, there's so much about it. There's The food is nice, you know, cons- considering it's a very cold country. Um, um, there, it, it has so much, you know, beauty. The cities are just, you know... Um, medieval castles and you know churches and you know there's a lot about it that makes it just so beautiful the houses the hotels it's just so so charming um i've never actually heard that much about Lavia. that's very very interesting and um Wow. And do you think you'll go back there too? Or you hope to go back there in the future? Definitely. Definitely. Yes. Um, I made a video in one of the cities. It's called Sisis. And uh, I told them I'm, I'm going to be back for my honeymoon. Not very common, but no. uh, yeah, it was just a romantic city. And I felt like I lived a whole romantic trip on my own. So I definitely need my future husband to to be there with me. Yes, yes. I'm sure he'll you'll convince him. Um, and how did the pandemic affect your vlogging? I mean, you were traveling basically full time, correct? Um, yeah. What did you What did you do when sort of the world obviously travel came to a halt? 
So it was hard in the beginning, as it was to, you know, everyone, but I can't complain. Um, so the first couple of months, I was like, okay, so I am home all the time. What do I need to do? Um, I started by learning any skill I was just pushing, you know, to, to learn. So um, I made a, my own website. I was like, you know, I'm going to see if I can actually blog. I started blogging. I was like, oh, maybe I can do this, you know, if I give it time. And that opened some opportunities. I started teaching content creation with, um, you know, uh, an, an international academy. Um, and then that led to me having my own travel show, which I shot from my room. Yeah, that was that was really amazing. So it was mostly promoting travel in um, Arab countries. And so I think for me, it was the decision that, okay, I want to be good. I want at something. So there was a a list of things um, which led me to, like I said, teaching and then having my own travel show, but also, you know, um, maybe growing my brand, not only as a travel content creator, but um, which is which was mainly on YouTube, but I tried to also create different types of content in different platforms. So I started a podcast with my mom, which is called Anawa Omi, which is uh, me and my mom, um, you know, talking about things that are sometimes taboo, sometimes not very, um, you know, it's just a discussion between generations about things. Um, so, so it's definitely, you know, helped me do things that I was pushing for a long time. So I, yeah, I wasn't able to travel, but I was able to do much more things. So I'm grateful, you know, for the whole damn thing. To push you almost to to really pivot and, and just explore, which it really is hard to do sometimes when you get really good at you know, your craft and um, especially making videos as well. Yeah. It's very and um, now that travel is almost hopefully picking up, mm-hmm. where are you going to travel to next? So um, I think I was like, I was dreaming. I was editing another video for, for a client the other day and it was about, um, so Peru. And I just fell in love with it. You know, you, you see it through someone, a content creator's experience. And I was like, okay, I want to do this. Um, maybe Bolivia as well. I don't know. Maybe, you know, whatever it's easy. These are like my top destinations. But then maybe Zanzibar, maybe the Maldives, because I just, you know, need to go and rest somewhere. I don't know. But probably um, maybe Morocco. It's just, you know, here next to me. Um, but you know, when you have the whole world on your list, you just, okay, what's going to come first? It's just, it's the matter of what, of what comes first. Um, yeah, but I'm just like at the point where I'm going to be very grateful to just go there, explore the country, meet people. Like for me, it's all about the people. It's exciting. Do you feel hopeful about traveling again or kind of still a little bit cautious? Um, it feels like it's, you know, it's going to open. Um, I, and now I laugh about it because last year, like March, they were saying May it's going to open. So everyone was like, you know, very hopeful. And then um, we waited for July and then we waited for more. And definitely, you know, some countries are um, are open. open. Um, for Algeria, we can really go or come back. So that's very tricky. But I am hopeful, definitely. Um, I'm hearing, you know, news here and there. So I hope, you know, the whole situation, not only for travel, you know, gets better because I know a lot of businesses, you know, are struggling. So 
I hope, you know, it gets mm, better for all of us. Yeah, but I'm hopeful. Yeah, absolutely. And when you do start traveling full time again, are you going to be able to balance all these different projects? Or do you feel like it'll kind of shift your focus back towards making content again? So I actually hired some team members, which are helping me um, at least edit my videos, manage things. Um, And I think it was an important step, you know, as a content creator, because yes, I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be editing my travel videos because, you know, it's just how I want to feel the video to be. But then um, other team members will keep on, you know, making the content, making sure it's published. Um, So, yeah, definitely it's... um, we're not going to hold back. (laughs) Of course. So now I wanted to pivot the conversation a bit and ask about your personal experience growing up in Algeria, a country that's becoming more and more popular to intrepid tourists. Um, There's so much to see. I I mentioned to you before that I was there for a very short amount of time, but I'm really dying to, to go back. So what's a common myth stereotype about Algeria and how does it compare to your lived experience? So um, a myth. Mainly, well, when I talk to people um, who don't, you know, who are not maybe Arab, um, they say, what, Nigeria? So most people don't even know about Algeria. Uh, But also I have a lot of friends when I tell them like, you know, we have four seasons at the same time in one, in one country. So we have the snow and then you can go to the beach and then it's very hot where you can go to the desert. Um, so I think, and they're like, what? It snows there? What? You have this? So I think it's, I do think, you know, it's a very, very diverse country, uh, very beautiful, the biggest country in Africa. Um, we have, you know, some of the most beautiful things in the world, like the most a beautiful sunset um, in the world that's in Tamnarast. So it is a country. It's like, you know, when you visit Algeria, it's like you visited multiple countries at once. Literally, there's different culture, different. Um, like even for me, when I do visit different cities, I'm like, well, there's this food, there's this, you know, uh, traditional outfits. So it's definitely, definitely worth visiting. Do you feel like it's going to continue to become a lot more popular? I have to say, though, out of a lot of visas I've applied for, my Algerian visa was very difficult to get. I don't know why. Um, it was very uncertain whether I think it took several weeks. I like made many trips to the Algerian embassy. Um, so I don't know if that's. Yeah. Anyways, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is um, one of the most difficult visas for people to get, which I didn't know until, you know, I was talking to friends. They're like, and a lot of friends, you know, tried to come to visit and they got a a refusal. So I think, I hope the government does something about it, you know, makes an an e-visa, something easier to get people, because I know a lot of people are interested in, in visiting Algeria. And that would also, you know, help the country's economy and, you know, getting it known on the map, et cetera. Um, I hope there's a will. There's been conversations, but I'm not sure, you know, how um, realistically doable it is. Uh, but I hope so. I sure hope so. Yeah, absolutely. And is there any specific experience, feeling, or emotional memory 
that you think of that really makes Algeria or Blida home to you? Yeah, so um, I think uh, I recall this one experience. I was going to a city that is, you know, a very small city. You, it's just a city where, for example, if I'm going to one of the most beautiful destinations in Algeria, in the Sahara, in the desert, um, you just, you know, go by it, which is called Lawab. And I was there for work and I was like, I'm going to be here for 24 hours, shoot what I have to shoot for work and then leave again. So it was not, I was not planning to stay. I was not planning to vlog. And I went to a very, very small village where it's a very isolated that people don't have what to eat. So men don't work. And so women, you know, came together. They started um, an association where they were, you know, teaching each other. So if I know how to cook, I'm going to teach you. If you know how to, you know, sew, you're going to teach me. And so um, they were doing this and then getting, you know, work from other cities as well to just sew blankets, to just to be able to, you know, to afford to live. One of the women um, told me that I'm doing this for my kids to have, um, you know, a better future and so they were like you have to stay you have to stay you have to stay because our city is so beautiful we want to take you to climb this beautiful mountains to see like stone inscriptions and i was like you know okay i'm gonna stay for another day so we hiked for like four hours a beautiful mountain and then we made it there and it was one of the most um you know um one of the most beautiful things I have ever lived. And that was a story I needed to tell. And so what makes, I think, Algeria home to me is the fact that this, you know, solidarity, which we do see, you know, in so many places around the world, but um, seeing it, I think it was so beautiful. You know, women coming together, uh, some of them went to school, some of them never went to school, different ages, some of them are teenagers, some of them are really old. And that was very, very, you know, very beautiful, very empowering to watch. Um, and that's definitely one of the best experiences I think I've lived around the world, not only in Algeria. Wow, so, so wonderful. And I feel like the fact that it also happened in this very random situation, you were not expecting it. That's also just the beauty of travel, right? Is is when these very... Um, definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. I asked these last couple of questions to all my guests as well, but I'm curious, what has been the best advice you've ever received in life? Mm, that's tricky. Okay. Um, I think, um, so one of the things my mom tells me is that, uh, so when we talk, you know, we talk about a lot of things. So, she always tell me, tells me to think about how everything is going to end at a certain, you know, point. And that helps you know, you know, what's important and also what's not so important. You know, as humans, we, we sometimes waste times on time on things that um, are not, you know, going to last situations, bad situations. And so also we, we dwell about things and it's, you know, that not that important, but also knowing that your time on this earth is going to end at some time. So you want to make sure, you know, you're living it to the fullest. And that, I think that's one of the things I'm trying to to, to, to live by to remember. Um, so not dwelling on bad things. It always, you know, 
gets better. And then when it's better, it, you know, understanding that it always gets worse sometimes. Um, and trying to get the most out of, you know, your time here to try to, you know, do good and be remembered well. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And you mentioned before how, you know, through your YouTube, YouTube channel and I guess through the work that you do, that you've obviously connected with so many Algerian women and have become essentially their role model, um, showing them that, you know, they can also travel the world, travel Algeria. I was curious also in your own words, how you seek to support women in Algeria and also around the world too. Yeah. So uh, I think mostly, and in the, you know, indirectly, when I do things, there is there is a saying in a, in a movie I, I I really um I really love, which is say, so when we empower our own selves, it you know unconsciously sets um it liberates other people to do the same. And so I know that the fact that I'm trying to do things um, that I came from a very you know let's say poor background, which can be relatable to a lot of people is unconsciously, you know, setting the expectation that you can make it as well. Um, but also what I try to do directly is either, you know, supporting these women um, that I see, you know, working hard, like I said, like women in Lawat. And so telling their stories, telling people, hey, go and visit this city, because if you go, that's going to support them also financially, etc. Um, and I think... Um, one of the other things I do is, um, or I'm trying to do is, I don't know, maybe, maybe existing, existing and saying, um, I, I did it, you can do it. Um, one of the probably things I'm getting as messages, you know, is women, especially, you know, in male dominated communities, maybe like mine, male telling me, oh, you know, I, I didn't think that my sister could travel. Um, wow, that definitely changed, you know, the way they thought about things. So maybe I don't have to control her life anymore, which is, you know, can be very, um, it seems like a basic thing to see, but not in a lot of communities, you know, sometimes you have to, you know, the male in your family has to have a say in your life. And so um, also getting messages from girls saying, oh, my dad, let me to travel. I went on my first experience because this um, maybe also opening, you know, their views. You know, when you live in such an influential world, the world of, you know, it used to be TV, now it's social media. And then you follow a lot of people who are for the sake of sales telling you, oh, you should get all these, you know, makeup palettes. Oh, you should follow all of the trends. And so you feel like you have to spend your money doing this and that. And I think also one of the, you know, most beautiful messages I got is, wow, that was like a slap that made me wake up that, oh, I don't need this and that. And so I went, I saved and started the business. I saved and I went on my first trip, which was very beautiful. And so also I think this, um, you know, kind of existing and saying it's okay to not be like everyone else. It's okay to do your own thing. Um, which sometimes, like I said, social media can be very blinding and be like, oh, I have to do things that everyone is doing. Yes, there are definitely, I feel like, both um, 
avenues there. And it's a very slippery slope when you go through the consumerist, you know, buy all of this. But then there is this um, definitely this other door that that opens up to, you know, valuing experiences more and and um, the people that you meet along the way, especially with traveling. So I love that, too. Well, Noor, thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, it was such a pleasure speaking with you, hearing your story. You're such an inspiration. And um, I mean, I know that you've done so much to empower so many Algerian women and just, again, women across the world. So, so thank you. Thank you so much, Liz, for having me um, again. I really appreciate it. And I think um, this is so beautiful, you know, thinking of this podcast the, the, the name itself says a lot and like i said you know other stories of other empowering women um just knowing that there are women around the world who are trying to do things um and i, I think that's just so so amazing so i'm very honored to to be part of it thank you thank you thank you all be in touch <laughs> hopefully That's it for season one of From Her View. I hope you enjoyed the very beautiful conversations I had with each of my female powerhouse guests from all over the world. It would mean so much to me and the future of this podcast if you shared it with friends or even better, left a review on Apple Podcasts. This will only mean that these stories will be amplified even louder to the rest of the world. Episode 10 featuring Nora Brahimi was co-produced and edited by Kate Tapscott. Please stay tuned for the release of season two in the coming months. And thank you so much again for listening.